0: Hello and welcome to the BC Outdoors Podcast. Sit back and join us as your host, Mike Mitchell, gets us all access to the leaders in the outdoor scene.
1: Hey, folks, we got a special guest today, as we alluded to there. We've got uh, Les Stroud. Uh, you'll all know him from Survivor Man TV series. Uh, Les, welcome to the show. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> hey, so I want to get into some things, and, I, and uh, we talked a little bit off air here about some things, and let's get right into it right away. One of the one of the series that I that I, I was actually very interested in, aside from the regular series, was when you kind of branched off and did a little bit of the uh, the Sasquatch or Bigfoot stuff. So let's get right into that. Tell tell me, tell me, Les, do you believe in Bigfoot? Do you believe uh, in Sasquatch? First all,
0: yeah. First of all, I mean, for me, that is it's the wrong question to ask. People. It's not about belief. And I think that's the thing that, that that for years I've always thought people just get way past. Um, I'll tell you that if I'm at a party somewhere and someone comes up to me, they're like, "Yo, did he you, you believe the big big. Well, the conversation's over; it's done right at that very second. But if someone comes up and they're like, "So, man, I'm really intrigued by that whole phenomenon," I'm like, "What's? I don't know. Like, what do you think? Do you think they're they're out there?" Well, that's a, that's a different way to ask the question, and it's got nothing to do with belief. Um, and I use the word phenomenon specifically because that's the way I like to look at it. Let's look at it as a phenomenon. And if it's and a phenomenon is interesting by, by its very nature. And so what ends up happening is you have to start looking at scientific facts, historical facts, and of course mostly what we have is called anecdotal references, well, you know, start. So- might might poo poo anecdotal references, and yet, funnily enough, a lot of science is based on anecdotal, certainly at least at first. Well, what we have in this subject matter, this isn't—we're not talking about fairies and we're and uh, you know we're, we're uh, fairy dust and Santa Claus. We're talking about something that has anecdotal references and stories that not only. We're not talking about a dozen people or three dozen. We're talking. not talking about hundreds. We're talking about thousands of people across thousands of miles, across a few thousand years, cultures, where everything comes up the same, exactly the same, no differences. Um, And so you have to take a look at that and go, well, something's going on. And so if we pull it out of the belief market right away, that's the first most important thing to do. Now we've got something to talk about and think about. And uh, it's funny because I just had a long conversation about this uh, yesterday with some people. And here's something that I like to do. Here's here's a really interesting, neat little thing to do. Um, You know how you'll hear people say, well, you know, my aunt has seen, seen it like twice. And first of all, by the way, For those who are uninitiated uninitiated into the subject matter, we're not talking about a thing. We're talking about potentially a few thousand, uh, um, you know, of this creature, this species, whatever it might be. Well, um, let's say, for example, your aunt, who is respectable uh, and you love her. And uh, she says, well, you know, I've seen it twice. Once I was with your uncle. We both saw it. All right. So I've had people say stuff like that. And then they kind of casually turn to you, and they'll go like, yeah, but yeah, I, don't, I don't know. You know what I love to do then? I love to go, okay, whoa, 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 what did you just say? You say, well, I don't really know. Babe. You know, I mean, I don't know what you Okay, I'll tell you what we do. Call up your aunt. Oh, well, wow. Let's call her up. Let's call her up and call her a liar. Well, what are you talking this moment? Wait, you just said you love your aunt. She's respectable. You trust her. She's an upright standing human being and all the rest of that. She wasn't drunk. She wasn't high. She was, uh, you know, so what do we, what do we have here? We have only four. Gonna, I'll, I'll finish off this little die trap with, with this. You only have four things you can say to a person who is standing there saying, look at man. I don't care what you think. I know what I saw. All right. Here are the four things. Number one, either they're lying. Okay, so you got to look him in the face and go, "You're a liar." Or number two, mistaken identity. Well, sometimes we're talking about conservation officers who know the difference between an elk and a moose, so they're not. They're not going. I could have been a grizzly bear. Like, no, we're talking about someone who said, "Look, it was ten feet away, and it was standing there, staring at me." All right, so so number one, lying. Number two, mistaken identity. Number three, the third last is is um, is delusional that's a tough one because that's a cop-out for everybody who just wants to be a skeptic for the sake of being a skeptic. Well, it's these, oh, you're all delusional. Okay, hold on. Like, that's not fair to just say lump everybody who says they've had an experience of being delusional because they're probably not. So that's a a cop-out for those who just want to be negative about it. And number four, the last one is they're giving you a factual, actual representation of what they saw. So, yeah, that's my, my some of my perspective on it is, look, I've never seen one, but I've had a lot of crazy experiences out there, and just remember that. If your uncle, or some conservation officer, or a hunter, or anybody who's not a wackadoodle, you know, uh, says to you, yeah, man, like I'm telling you right now, uh, you know, or my father, who's a lovable, wonderful man, he tells us that story once a year, every year, that He was on the river and this thing stood up and okay, at that point, you just remember you've got those four categories. Well, is he a liar? Is he delusional? Did he make a simple mistake or is he telling you the truth? And if he's telling you the truth, well then, guess what? Something's out there. Yeah.
1: Now, Sorry, guess, that was a lot, I, of, yeah. lot of a there no. on you, but you
0: know. no, no, it's good.
1: No, it's it's good, and, and it it does it. Sit back and makes the. And, and what I what I like to, to look at is when somebody tells me this, their story or their their encounter or or their or, or their recollection of what happened. I, I like to think, what does this person have to gain if they're by telling me this? They're gaining nothing by telling me this. This is something that they're passionate about. They know that I'm open to listening to. I have a I have a couple friends that are just absolutely over the moon about this stuff, and and they've never really encountered anything, but they want to, and they they believe in everything that's being said. They 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 watch all of the the documentary stuff that's happening, and I'm not talking about the the made for TV series, the one made up in Alaska, and even the guys that run around. Run around the town with a guy that you know looks as tall as a Sasquatch and, and does all that stuff. I'm not talking about those shows. I'm, I'm talking like documentaries on 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 uh, if it's on YouTube or, or or accounts or books that they've read about history. That that's the stuff that I think is is relevant, right? And
0: well, yeah. If you, if you go back in time, Doug Hycheck did a great series called Monster Quest, and, and in its time, it was really funny. Great. There was a specific look at it, going, "Hey, is this possible?" And so I loved that. Um, but then, uh, in many ways, my television series, uh, Survivor Man, Bigfoot, was a reaction to the Finding Bigfoot series. And the problem I have with the Finding Bigfoot series is, look, I, I think you know, I like Cliff, really nice guy. I know these guys really, really are into the subject matter. Problem is. That the producers who produced that series
1: exactly. made it all
0: a joke, and they made up a bunch yep. of stuff and pretended. And what that did, what that did for all the, you know, people in, in British Columbia, or because let let's, let British Columbia is you know one of the hottest spots on the planet, the subject matter, Adam and and uh, Washington State, you know, and Alaska. Well, what that what it did was it turned it into a cultural punchline. That's what Finding Bigfoot did. Turned into a cultural punchline. When that happened, it wasn't nobody was, couldn't take it serious anymore. Now, you know, now, right. you know you're, I, I saw it as uh, on as a jo- it's it's a cultural punch. It's a joke, um, and I mean, there's a Robert Downey Jr. movie trailer where that, the character says, "And my client wants to see a Sasquatch." It's a joke now, and unfortunately, the result of it being a joke means that people who are really seriously interested in the phenomenon are not taken seriously, and real science won't look. And you're left with this messy field of, of interest. And I, I unfortunately, I don't mean to be glasses glass half empty, but I think the heyday of interest in it uh, kind of peaked and died with finding Bigfoot. But that's what happened in the series. was I, tried, I wanted to bring some legitimacy back to the phenomenon and, and, and
1: investigating it. Yeah. You got, you got a, you got a couple more minutes here. We're going to take a quick break here. If you got a couple more minutes, we'll come back the inside and let's, let's continue talking. This is, I love this stuff. This is great. Okay. Thanks, Les.
0: This segment of the BC Outdoors podcast
1: with Mike Mitchell is proudly brought to you by your Toyota BC dealers. All right, folks, we're back here with uh, Les Stroud. Les, let's, Let's continue. Normally, after commercial break, we change topics, but I'm not ready to move off of this topic yet. I'm actually fascinated. Uh, I'm not, I'm not I love this stuff.
0: not, like it's not interesting.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's fascinating, and, and you know, and, and what uh, you're right. I'm listening to you know, coming out of the break or before the break there, and talking about how uh, producers can sensationalize, and I know all too well what it's like to create a TV show. You have a mandate to get you know, 13 episodes done, you got to do what you can do to get stuff done. And I, I, I truly believe that those guys that are, that are uh, doing Finding Bigfoot are, you probably look back and maybe have a little bit of regrets of the way, the way things were put together in the end. But um, you know, you're right. The, the catchphrase gone, squatching the t-shirts and the paraphernalia that's out there now. And, and the people that they probably had to deal with are, you know, going into these towns and, and dealing with some of the people and everything. I can just imagine being those guys, right? You're, you're kind of you got an idea of what you want it to be and then you get people involved and the producers change things. So I can only imagine, right?
0: Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that is the game of the television industry itself on so many levels. Um, certainly, uh, normally I like to be at the zeitgeist of things and, and, and starting off, but with the Bigfoot phenomenon, um, I wasn't finding Bigfoot was first and I just thought this can be done better. And yes, so my, my approach, but, you have to understand, I'm an anomaly in the television industry in that I control my own world. I always have. I always did. Uh, you know, I was a, a success, which made me a bit of a thorn in the side for networks because I did what I wanted the way I wanted, and don't tell me I can't. And if you, and if you don't like what I'm doing, don't put me on air. I don't care. That was me, you know. And so, same thing with Bigfoot. Um, and I was basically not done producing that series. I would have done more. Um, But again, the climate of the of the time was changing uh, on TV. And uh, um, a little tangent comment here is that you know I've said this before is you know it's it, 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 the bad guy is never the television network. I mean Discovery Channel is a great network, and they, a lot of great people and talented people are there. It's always one person. It's a gatekeeper. There's a gatekeeper there, and it's that one person that you either jive with. Or you bristle with, and a new gatekeeper came in, and she didn't like, as she called it, the paranormal. Bigfoot's out, done, finished, and we were, in fact, we were rating fantastically. Nope, Bigfoot's out, and that was that. One person, the gatekeeper. So, so that's what you run into in the behind the scenes of the
1: industry. So let let me ask you this question. So, how when did you start? Have you have you always had the thought that there was? big foot out there or was it or did you have an encounter that went you know what this has just pushed me from being a 50 50 guy to okay this is legit now like did you have what was your turning point or have you always just been like you know what i i truly believe that this is this is there and this is something that i've seen in evidence of like what was your what was your point
0: no i'm at the in my initial uh thought process is based on the fact that I'm very open to all kinds of possibilities and opportunities and things in life. So to me, a fascination with it, it would have been, oh, so cool. You know, just a thought that fell that, that, out there. And I never, not let the Loch Ness Monster or fairies or things like that, um, to me, it, it had a validity uh, yeah. to it that was strong. I mean, take, for example, the fact that it's, it's described in over 100 cultures the same mm-hmm. way you know, that are older cultures, you know, so this is not, that's not TV stuff, we're talking hundreds of years ago, so that that part of the fascination, it always existed, but I definitely did you know, with the uh, the experience in Alaska while I was filming Survivor Man, I had a few things that happened being out of the woods before, but nothing I could put my finger on. So I remained fifty fifty with an open, fat you know mind that was fascinated for all the years until Alaska. And then in Alaska, when I had that big sort of big gorilla ape like thing in a tree that bellowed at me and then ran off and crashing trees along when that all happened, and I have told that story in full before, that made me go, oh. Okay, I'm pretty sure they're here now because yeah. I just knew it wasn't a moose. I knew it wasn't a grizzly bear, and 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 I yeah. was in Alaska. So, but yet still, I I avoided the subject matter because I knew then if I say I think I just had a Sasquatch experience while I'm filming Survivor Man, nobody's going to care about the survival skills anymore. And I was just a pretty darn earnest individual about my survival skills. I didn't say anything. It was years later on a radio interview where somebody asked me and, and they ended up telling that story and it all kind of took off from there. So, you know, and again, let's, let's be uh, full disclosure, I've never seen one. Tons of experiences, but I've never seen one. Just lots of peripheral experiences that I cannot explain away by a grizzly or a moose. You
1: know? Yeah. And do you, do you feel... Now you're thinking back do you think do you feel that there's been lots of experiences you know mainly you know filming while filming in b c and stuff that you have had those encounters or you have had some experiences where where this is going on and do you do you find that you know after thinking about it more and more like little things will trigger like you know what that weird feeling I had or that misplacement of something or that you know what this is starting to be, make sense oh then? yeah
0: yeah well, well absolutely it's all about you know um being observant and noticing more now you want to be careful of, uh, of the power of suggestion you want to be careful of of the conspiracy type thinking where you're matching things together just because they're the same color you want to be careful about that but if you are a, try to remain you know if you try to remain objective about it um then and just then you can do away with you know, separate the wheat from the chaff, and you realize, okay, there. But still, I'm left with these six things, and whoa, you know, that that's absolutely. And I've got way more than six things now. Years of, of paying attention to this and to that, and there are things along the way. I, I go, nah, that's just so coincidental. It's way I can't, I can't blame that. This is the problem with this phenomenon, though. Uh, a very inherent problem with this phenomenon is. is Subtlety, because the the reality is that there are a lot of subtle things that indicate the the possibility that something something else is going on here, and something happened here. There is something here. The problem with subtlety is try to explain subtlety to your mom. You know, it's like, well, this, and they'll they'll look at you. you You're like. Oh dear! I mean, that's just coincidence. And you're like, no, oh, no, no! You got to understand. When I was there, this and then that, that couldn't happened. And so you're like, that like away something that's subtle, and you can't. You no one's ever going to accept subtle. They want a dead body laying on the living room floor. You know, there's anything but subtle. But the truth of the matter is, what you're asking about is about paying attention to the subtleties of being out of nature. Of course, the beauty of that, the absolute beauty of that is regardless of the phenomenon of sasquatch you're out in nature you're paying attention to nature you're being healed by nature you know you're fishing you're hunting you're hiking you're biking all these things are feeding you and if if you will feeding your soul um regardless of whether or not that tree you know did it fall over or was it pushed over and if it was pushed over by what well that's pretty cool but regardless of that i i love this thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think I think um, I think what the biggest thing what we get from people is, is that you know skeptical people are going to say, well, how come they've never caught one? How come they've never found a dead body? How come they've never uh, you know you know seen other evidence of of this or whatever? And and I think that you know one of the biggest things that I I like to say is well, you, you don't find many carcasses in the woods. Mother Nature has its way of cleaning up after after things too, and and there's a there's a there's a kind of a funny memo out there that that's there's a, this a bigfoot who's the hide and seek champion of the world, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, a discussion there, um, and, and because on the beginning part of what you had to say, well, it has happened. They've been shot. They've been hit by cars. They have been caught. All these things. Have happened, but it's either kept under wraps or nobody knows about it. it. Disappears really quickly. If you really get into researching, you find out there's all kinds of examples of this. Hence, people okay. swearing that they saw it. Hence, people swearing that something happened. So there are lots of of things like that that have gone on. And of course, then add to that all of the eyewitness sightings and 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 everything else. The one piece that you touched on is, well, how come we haven't seen a body out there. Well, you're quite right. I've seen lots of deer bones in the bush. I cannot. I've been a you know. I probably you know, comparatively speaking, spend more time in the woods than most people. I've never in my life, even though I've been thick in the territory, yet found the bones of a of a, a wolf, a cougar, or a bear. So I've seen moose. I've seen deer. I've seen the ungulates. I've seen the prey, but predator bones are pretty tough to find. You know, maybe a moose fell through the ice in the winter. Okay, well, and again, that's an ungulate. So so. Does that prove the point? No, but you're getting into, you know, the category. okay, well then, let's just pretend. Let's go benefit of the doubt. The only way we can answer some of these things. Let's go benefit of the doubt that this species, Bigfoot, is an intelligent species. Maybe they bury their bones. You know, maybe they they hide them all in deep, dark caves somewhere. And, and, you know, uh, I mean, cougars go off to die alone somewhere. We never find cougar bones so, and then say, well, oh, no, my uncle did once. Yeah, well, people have also found Bigfoot once. It's just he gets buried, uh, you know, under time and and, and disbelief.
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, you, you touch back to the, the cougar thing. It's like a house cat that sneaks out of the house and is gone because he knows he's going to die. And he goes to hide and buries himself. I don't know. I found a few of my old house underneath the barn two or three years later. I'm like, oh, that's where that cat went. Right? Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're not just going to lie out in the front yard. They're going to hide themselves. And you're right; they they know, right? So that, that's kind of the same. And,
0: and that's the thing is there, is there are there, it, it, there are simple answers to lots of burden questions you ask at a dinner. You know, and that's why I don't entertain the casual question if they're not really serious. If they really want to know about the subject matter, well then let's get into it. But don't don't just like sit there and, and go, "Oh yeah, how come?" You know, like that attitude on the subject matter isn't worth discussing it because it's, it's a more interesting phenomenon than, than water cooler talk, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you and I could probably sit here for an hour, three, four, maybe a couple of days and just talk about this, but let's take a quick break and when we come back. Let's, let's switch gears here a little bit and let's, uh, let, let's talk about a couple other things. We'll just take a quick break and then uh, we'll come back right after that.
0: This segment of the BC Outdoors podcast with Mike Mitchell is proudly brought to you by Yamaha. Are you ready to get out and conquer the water? Let Yamaha rev your heart.
1: All right, folks, we're back for another quick break here. We got uh, Les Stroud back with us. Les, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here, and I, I love to talk about Bigfoot. And like I said, you and I could probably go on for hours to talk about this and 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 bounce these things off and, and talk about things. But let's talk about uh, let's talk about some of the other shows that I, that I really think. You know, we're probably a indirect a spin-off of your stuff, uh, you know, shows like Alone or um, there's another guy out there, I forget what his name, Bear Grylls or something, and then there's uh, there's even a couple of other shows that are based around the whole survival uh, survival theme, right? So what do, you, what do you think? What do you think about some of these shows?
0: Well, I mean, I, I got qualified a bit by saying, look, I you know, I get I get hit and criticized every once in a while if I come out speaking on on, on this subject matter. Bit you know it's not braggadocio and it's not arrogance. It all spinned off of Survivor Man. There was no no survival shows like this uh, until Survivor Man hit the airs. And, and and I was on for a good couple of years before um, you know they they went at it. And in and in fact the only reason you know that that to Jane brought in. Bear Grylls to do Man versus Wild well is because I refuse to cheat my show. And that's a fact. You're getting that as a candid statement from the guy who sat in the room for over a year. While, and again, I mentioned earlier, like it's not a team work. It's always a single gatekeeper. In this case, it was this one gatekeeper uh, who wanted me to cheat the show, and I refused. So they brought in Bear Grylls, they copied my series, and and they just uh, they had him pretend. And I said, oh, he got caught. He got caught a little bit. The Reality is the whole thing was faked. And they even had originally taken the first season off air, re-edited it to get all the lies out, put it back on again before anybody noticed. Because it was really bad in the beginning. What, one thing I, I bear on a couple of times, who have
1: been on a well, There we go. We got you back. Uh, we got you back, Les. So we had a, some technical difficulties. It was lovely technology with cell phones, right? So... Uh, let's let's go right back into this. This is getting good. So just go back a quick a bit. To talk about uh, Bear Grylls. Let's let's talk about that series right now. And again, that's a, that to me is a copycat of your show, right? So
0: yeah, I think I think uh, you know what I've been saying is is that. Um, as I said, I don't believe it's braggadocio or arrogance to, to, to acknowledge the fact that before Survivor Man, none of this genre existed, and then it did well. And then I got asked to cheat it. Now, why did I get asked to cheat it? Well, something you talked on earlier. Um, networks want quantity, uh, and they want quantity over quality. To be honest with you, well, I was really doing what I was doing. I couldn't crank out 26 uh, survival. Uh, uh, things in a year I mean I remember you know if I talked with my my survival cronies and said hey want to go out this year and do a week long survival they'd be like "Ah, oh yeah we're down if I'd say want to do five of them they'd be like no you want to do 13 no Uh, 26 you're crazy because it it hurts it's hard yeah. yeah So, yeah. so they asked me to cheat, and, and uh, after a year of me saying no, they finally brought in uh, Bear, and they find, and they made Man vs Wild. And I mean, they literally sat the production company down and showed them my first season and said, "Go everywhere he went." Well, how do I know this? I know this because I'm in the thick of the industry. I'm in those offices. I'm I'm there with the executive producers, and I know what's going on. They thought I was going to sue them. Uh, that's how that's how bad it was. Of course, like I couldn't because it's my network, you know. Like I said, it's never the net. The network's not to blame. They're, they're they're as a as a as a whole. They're they're doing great stuff. They still do some great stuff. It's a, it's the sing, single individual gatekeeper that happens to be in a position of power at any given time. Same reason why Bigfoot didn't continue. Different gatekeeper came in and didn't like it. In this case, a gatekeeper uh, to the network said, "Well, you know, we need tons of these, so we're just going to copy your show. And they did, but they faked everything. Now the thing that I owe to the, uh, and I don't know, apology, but I think at first I was a bit harsh on Alone and Naked and Afraid, and I still remain harsh on those shows. There's still a lot of fakery and stuff. The thing is, those people are really suffering. See, it's it's changed over the years from pretend survival yeah. stuff like Dual Survival, where everything's just a, a staged, faked thing, to Alone mm-hmm. and Naked and Afraid, where it's still produced. It's still TV producers going, okay, what's going to happen next is, but at the same to- by the same token, they actually have these people suffering, and and, and so oh, they're, yeah. not, they're not suffering because they're experiencing a true wilderness survival situation. They're suffering because a television producer made something up for drama, and that has got nothing to do yeah, with wilderness yeah. survival as far as I'm concerned. You, no. you aren't going to learn no. what you need to do if you're lost on a mountainside in British Columbia because you watched alone or naked in front. There's no. no, there's no instruction. There. No, you're right. And, and, you know, no.
1: and again, the, the, those, the, those two shows, sorry, those two shows, there always have a, you know, a prize at the end. There's, there's a dangling of money. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to fight through this, but anytime I want, I can pick up my satellite phone and call in and say, come and get me right. Or tap out. Yeah. It's not a real, it's not a real situation. No, and some of them do I've watched out a couple because, of those shows and,
0: because they're being made to suffer, you know, wrongfully in ways that they they wouldn't. I mean, if I, I can tell you because I know the behind the scenes that, for example, in Naked and Afraid, they're pretty much stuck within a square kilometer. Well, what do you mean they're stuck? They're not allowed to go outside that square kilometer. Now, in a survival situation, if you look across the lake and you see a huge amount of cattail, that's a, that's a smorgasbord of food over there. Well, they're not allowed to go over and, because that doesn't fit the storyline the producer made up. And that's how these shows work. And if if the mass population wants to watch them as entertainment, recognizing it's entertainment, and they have fun with it, all the power to them, no problem. But if you really think something real is going on, well, then okay, you're you're not woken up to the reality of reality television, which is should be called fake TV. All of a sudden, they're heroes. All of a sudden, they're going, oh, we're going to pull the curtain back and show you the man behind the curtain. That's not. They're sti- they're they're doing that and not that even that. Is a is a is a shiny object they're throwing at your, your way. To, oh, look! Mm-hmm. Over, it, it's all sleight of hand because it's far more fakery mm-hmm. than what they were quote unquote showing the watch the viewing audience far more um, because they because even that was a way to give you the illusion that now they're they're coming full full out they're they're showing you everything. So that, now that makes you think that over here uh, in the left hand this thing that's going on. Well, it must be real because they're being honest. To see, they're showing that they're no, even that there's still trickery behind that, and that that's the problem. And and as far as those NDA go, uh, non-disclosure agreements go, I mean, the funny thing is mm-hmm. that, that they, they all of these people a lot of these people just want to be on TV, and they sign a non-disclosure yeah. agreement. Well, the thing is, they're 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 scared. They're 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 you know uh, given the fear factor of, of signing these NDAs. And the truth is, legally speaking nDAs rarely hold hold up any water in court. You people could come out and say what they want nah, you know what uh, I, I was you know under duress in signing that thing anyway. Here's what really happened and and but but people don't know that. they sign an n d a and now they've mm-hmm. got the fear of God in them that they're going to have their house taken away from them they're going to be sued if on a Facebook posting they say, "Well, you know, it didn't really happen that way. you know if they say that, they think they're going to be sued, and the truth of the matter is. They yeah. might be, but it'll never hold. They, they, they wouldn't.
1: They, they kind of won't lose. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a messy thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, touching back onto the onto, onto uh, the guy that <laughs> the guy that was pinned to, to replace you there, I had heard through through the grapevine that shooting one of his episodes, uh, some people saw him walk across the street and into a restaurant to eat dinner. And then walk over to his hotel room while the crew all stayed in the hotel room. Then they set up the shot for the next morning of him waking up in the tent. But really, it was within 100 feet of, of this road in a hotel. Is that is that kind of the extreme? Like, or is that kind of what you've heard or you know about that show? Like that's how falsified it really was?
0: Oh, my gosh. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get across here. That's not the extreme. That's the norm. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely, that's the norm. That, that, that just that, that's that what, takes you know, people. That, you know, there's there's yeah. half a dozen little things online. Well, they just could have just filmed behind the scenes of the whole series. It would have been nothing but that. I mean, that's the norm. That's not the experience. Yeah. And that's why I say later when they so, they, they put it they put yeah. a disclosure at the front of the show, which got longer and longer and longer thanks to the lawyers. And they're trying to say, oh no, we meant to come out. We we meant to show you that. that, that. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You just didn't get away with it, and now you're backtracking, backpedaling. Yeah. So no, that's not the extreme. Yeah. That's that's absolutely the norm. They hate me for yeah, saying and it. Yeah. how many, but, how many uh,
1: episodes, Yeah. No, it's no. You know, it's what the truth is. Refreshing. I, I could tell you, it's refreshing listening to this stuff because you, you always wonder, right? There's a lot of these outdoors-based shows that are that are you know romance. You know, I can think of, uh, you know, the Alaskan Bush People or uh, Alaska, The Last Frontier and all these different shows that, that really romance the idea of living off the grid and and do that. And then you got another show that the guy comes in and he's the homestead repair guy, basically. And he comes in, and builds homesteads for people that bought a plot of land in the middle of nowhere on a hill and they're trying to get water. Well, you're, you're 550 feet above sea level and you're on a granite rock and you think there's going to be water everywhere. It's like... <laughs> Just one an example, right? But uh, I think I think it's refreshing to hear that that you know some of this stuff. We all know TV is made to entertain, and that's what it really comes down to, right? But it, the thing that I kind of liked about you know watching your series is it was entertaining, but it was a real it felt real life, which is which is refreshing. I think now in, in thinking of that way,
0: right? Well, but this is where I come from. Call school, if you like. This is where I come from, and I I, I you know. One of the worst things you can hear from a network executive is, "Oh, well, we don't want this to be too earnest." Right away, I know what that means. That translates into we want to fake it all, and that is the way. It is. All those shows you mentioned, set up, staged—those things aren't happening at all. They're just storylines created by producers. You know, funky guy. You know, thirty-two-year-old guys with an idea because they happen to be able to get the series signed because the pitch was good or something. You know. Um, so what I what I'm in love with is, you know, the truth of natural history, the truth of adventure, the truth of things. I believe, you know, well, going right back to the beginning, when they first tried to get me to, to cheat things and stuff, they said, well, we'd like to inject a bit of, of drama into into this. And I remember, absolutely verbatim, my response was, so let me get this straight. You've got me, a guy, alone, without equipment or supplies or food, in the middle of the Amazon jungle, For seven days, filming himself, and you don't think that's dramatic? Mm -hmm. Out because for me, I (laughs) feel that the reality of anything out in nature already has its inherent drama. It's wonderful. It's awesome. I quit shark week for the same reason. The 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 crap that was injected into the natural history um, commentary or narration about the sharks was was bullshit. It was made up crap, and. I, uh, and, and my, my thought, I, I, I quit because of a 12-year-old girl. The 12-year-old girl was fictitious. In my mind, I thought, you know, somewhere, someday, there's some 12-year-old girl doing a project for class about sharks. She's going to watch this show that I'm the host of, and she's going to be quoting this crap that they're trying to get me to narrate. I'm out. I'm done. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't narrate it. And so yeah. all of this stuff, but going back to the, the, the fun part of this, you're right. Hey, if you recognize that it's just entertaining, and you like the characters, and you enjoy the show. By all means, binge watch it. Just sure. smell the coffee, man. Sure. Don't don't believe for a second yeah. that there there really is a couple who is really trying to get water out of five hundred feet of granite. You know, because <laughs> everyone knows you go to you're going to be told right away um, bad location. Let's move. Like, like you know, you're going to do yeah. reality yeah. things, true reality things, and. That's the side of it. I don't want to deny the entertainment value. If you like it, watch it. But don't think it's real. That's the only part that irks me.
1: Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. So what's, uh, what's left?
0: So, uh, yes, there's always different interests, and I'm always speaking with the networks here and there. Um, recently yeah. what I've done is I actually launched SurvivormanTV.com. And it's a member-based uh, membership-based web uh, uh, portal where I've put all of my work, and I'm actually doing new shows. Um, what I prefer is progression. I mean, same old, same old doesn't work for me. I did 17 years of Survivor Man, but I also morphed it into Survivor Man and Son. I did Survivor Man where I took some uh, people out. I did Survivor Man Bigfoot. I did search and rescue versions. So I morphed it because for me, progression is the name of the game. Um, not staying same old, same old. So what I did, even for SurvivormanTV.com, is I created a new version. I said, you know, what if, what if you knew you were going home in 24 hours, but you were still stuck in the snow, the bugs, the rain, the cold, whatever, broken leg? What would you do? How does that change survival? And so I actually produced a couple of Survivorman 24 Hours. I call them. And I go out in a in a location. And at first, I did them, and I thought, well, this is going to give me twenty two minutes of web content. This will be really cool. Well, in fact, it gave me full feature length uh, shows. It gave me forty, you know, which is standard in television is forty three minutes. It gave me forty five minutes of viewing. So I loved it. So that's what I would do. Is is I I continue to morph. I would do an, uh, more of the Survivor Man Search and Rescue. Uh, missions. I loved doing those where I go out and then you know basically three days later uh, the local search and rescue team tries to find me. Love doing that. Love highlighting their amazing work and skills.
1: What do you got going on right now? I know you, you got some uh, some music stuff going on and 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 some 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 other adventures and stuff. And the other side of it is is that we gotta we gotta next year you have to come up, You gotta be a you gotta be a guest host on BC Outdoor Sport Fishing. I gotta take you to some of the spots where we're gonna go and fish, and you'll see how how organic our show is. I hate that word, organic, but that sometimes it only works. But see, how organic our fishing show is and, and how it works, and we can have a blast catching a bunch of fish somewhere. So let, let's plan that for sure. But let's talk about uh, what you got going on right now, too.
0: Oh, yeah, and I thank you for the invitation. I mean, fishing's in my blood. I grew up fishing, yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, and my son and I now fish, and, you know, we've incorporated fly fishing into it. I'm terrible, yeah. but I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm good at fishing, just not, not, not that good at fly fishing yet. But, um, so that is always a big part of me, and getting out and adventuring is a big part of what I continue to do. Professionally speaking, I will always have my feet on two tracks. One is adventure, outdoor adventure, and one is music, and often I combine them. So I've got a few things. First of all, I've got a brand new documentary film out, a feature-length documentary film that I'm submitting to festivals that is a, it's a completely different subject matter. It's about the school shooting in Lalosh, Saskatchewan that happened in 2016. And I went up and, however, it, it connects because I went up and I did a canoe trip uh, with uh, eight boys from that school after the shooting as a bit of a healing canoe trip. So I've done this documentary film called Lalosh, and I'm just starting to get it out now. Um Secondly, uh, I've already discussed what I'm doing for filmmaking. Uh, always more stuff. Uh, SurvivormanTV.com. It's there. It's three bucks a month. I'm, I'm going to rejig it. Not sure yet what I'm going to do, but I want to rejig it to make it a little more successful because I do love getting out and filming uh, Survivor Man Bigfoot, Survivor Man 24 Hours. And I talk with the networks all the time. As I said, the networks themselves are great. Um, when the right gatekeepers in the right place at the right time, boom! You're able to start working on some great series. And so those conversations are happening. And finally, finally is my world of music, and that mm-hmm. is the strongest thing at the moment because I've got my fifth album is out now. I'm signed wow. to a label out of uh, uh, the states called uh, Megaforce, and mm-hmm. the album is called Bittern Lake. It's produced by rock legendary producer Mike Clink, who's responsible mm-hmm. for Guns N' Roses of all, you know, of wow. their bands and cool. Metallic and so on. So that album, Bitter Lake, is out right now, Spotify it. Um, okay. And I've got two videos out one for uh, my song How Long, and another one um, for my cover of Big Yellow Taxi, Joni Mitchell's song, which oh, cool. I did as a very dark Delta Blues version. And I had the videos oh, yeah. directed by. Matt Mahurin, who's worked with Metallica, Tom Waits, U two, Disturbed, Nathan yeah. director. So musically, yeah. uh, my fifth album is out now, and I'm starting to. I'll be touring it. So actually, this coming week, I'm playing. If uh, I'm playing, uh, uh well, date wise, I'm not sure where this this will be out when you're putting out this, but I will be mm-hmm. touring southern ontario starting october 26th in midland and ajax and, and london and perry sound places like that and then i dropped down to new england and i toured the city wineries down there so very cool. busy all the time with a yeah. lot of cre- i'm a content creator that's what i do yeah. i just happen yeah. to be an outdoors nut so a lot of my yeah. content creation <laughs> focuses around yeah. that
1: yeah awesome well you know what i i got i got to i can't thank you how much uh, thank you for all your time today it's been Absolutely over the top. And let's do this again where we got uh, again in the future. But let's honestly, let, let's plan a fishing trip. Bring your guitar. and We'll make sure the lodge or the resort we go to is going to get some, uh, some music played by you. And I'd love to hear something as well too. I'm, I'm excited for, for, for that. Oh,
0: absolutely. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, personally, I know you're familiar with the fact that I did a fishing trip up on Haida Gwaii recently. And yeah. I took my yeah. guitar and I performed. I mean, it was you were, it was fish with Survivor, man. It was a yeah, yeah. thing I did. My son went. But I definitely yeah. took my guitar and I had a night of performance for everybody there. And, and uh, so, yeah, I think once fishing's in your blood, especially if you start young, you, you might yeah. go away from it for a few years at a time, but you always come back to it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Again, thanks again, Les. I really appreciate this, and uh, let's uh, let's stay connected here.
0: Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us, and stay tuned for more BC Outdoors podcasts. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram for upcoming television and podcast schedules. This podcast produced and engineered by Kirk Gilchrist.